0: Are you aware of the bad rap that Assyria, the Assyria in your Bible, has been getting from both historians and many Bible teachers? There's a sentence I'm going to show you today that will cast a whole new light on the Assyrian people and God's purpose for them. Why should you care? Because they are soon to affect your entire life. I'll be sharing with you some of that today. Stay with me. I'll be right back.
1: Finding and knowing God is a faith walk. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Our hope lies in the coming Messiah, who will establish God's peaceful kingdom on earth. This is Faith Walk with Ron Susak. Dr. Ron is an evangelist committed to encourage and equip your faith walk as we pass through these turbulent end-time days, awaiting that soon-coming kingdom. Here again is Ron Sousa.
0: If you're an Assyrian, you should really get excited today. Put on your seatbelt. I have things to share from the Word of God that are so thrilling. They are showing us where the world is heading and your role and how you will affect the person sitting beside you if they're not an Assyrian. How wonderful this is going to be. The text is found in the book of Ezra. You remember that Ezra and Nehemiah were the two men who went back to rebuild the temple and the walls of Jerusalem, and something happened there. (laughs) I've read it many times. I even had it underscored in my Bible, but it never really exploded in my mind until a few nights ago when I was reading it, and all of a sudden, it changed the, the picture of history. Ezra chapter 6. And beginning with verse 19, we read this On the 14th day of the first month, the returned exiles kept the Passover. That's important. We'll talk about that. For the priest and the Levites had purified themselves together. All of them were clean. So they slaughtered the Passover lamb for all the returned exiles, for their fellow priest and for themselves. It was eaten by the people of Israel who had returned from the exile, and also by everyone who had joined them and separated himself from the uncleanness of the peoples of the land to worship the Lord. Now, this is all significant. I'll talk about it in a minute. The God of Israel... And they kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with joy, for the Lord had made them joyful and had turned the heart of the king of Assyria to them, so that he aided them in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. Did you pick up the sentence that talks about the Assyrians? That is so significant. We'll come back to that. I I want to set the stage first. We need to understand a little bit more about the uh, Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. What was that? That was to be two things. Number one, when Israel was coming out of Egypt... They didn't have time to wait on the bread to rise, so they grabbed the unleavened bread and they left and they had to carry that and eat the unleavened bread. And to this day, the Jewish people celebrate that exodus from Egypt by celebrating the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Makes sense, doesn't it? Just like Christians, we take communion to remember the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They eat unleavened bread to remember the exodus from Egypt we're remembering in our communion the exodus from hell, the exodus from being bound by sin, the freedom to now walk in Jesus Christ. That having been said, with that, along with that, we read that they were purifying themselves. What does that mean? Well, they were washing themselves, but more than that, they were cleansing their hearts of the ways of the world. They were separating themselves from the ways of the world. God said, seek me with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. You'll find me. Let me read this for you, uh, this text as well. It reads this way, describing the Passover. For the priest and the Levites had purified themselves together. All of them were clean, so they slaughtered the Passover lamb for all the returned exiles, for their fellow priest and for themselves. It was eaten by the people of Israel who had returned from exile, and also by everyone who had joined them and separated himself from the uncleanness of the peoples of the land to worship the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, get get a handle on that. Does not the Bible tell you and me, fellow believer, whether you're a Syrian or not, come out from among them and be ye separate, thus saith the Lord? shed Babylon, get rid of the ways of this world that are going to be destroyed by the hand of God. Come out from among them. Every time you take communion, that's what you need to be saying to God and committing yourself anew to follow Jesus Christ. Great acts of God. Now get hold of this. Great acts of God come out of confession, cleansing, and worship. When he finds a people who have sought him, or even an individual, you alone, you're desperate for something to happen in your life. Oh, please, please don't be caught up in any fraudulent preachers. Be sure to do what God said to do. Seek me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And i you'll find me, I will respond. I want to show you an exhibit of that. In the book of Daniel, chapter 9, we have a prayer given by Daniel. Now, get the picture. Daniel is in captivity under Babylon, and he understands that that captivity is only to last 70 years. That's a whole message in its own, why it was the last 70 years. We'll talk about that another time. But it was the last for 70 years. When Daniel read that, here is what he did. He did not say, Well, in 70 years, we're out of here. So take a vacation, Daniel. Go to Hawaii. You will lie on the beach. Enjoy the sun. No. Daniel gave himself to fasting and prayer. Why? Because Jesus said, taught us to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it's already done in heaven. Your job and my job is to be God's instruments of prayer, not to tell God what to do, but to pray what he's going to do to come to pass on earth. He's given us that privilege of that joint relationship with him. How imperative that we learn to pray that for the Assyrian people, the Israeli people, and the Egyptian people. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But here's what we read in the book of Daniel chapter 9. This is a marvelous text about his prayer when he discovered that they were to get out of captivity in 70 years. I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord, to Jeremiah the prophet, must come to pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, seventy years. Now, get this. Get this. This is critical. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer... And please for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Now, listen carefully. Daniel wasn't responsible for being held in captivity. He was a godly young man. It was his forefathers who sinned and got him into this mess. Rather than just rebuking his forefathers, he identified with them. And he said, We have sinned against you. Look at this. Verse 4. I have prayed for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned. We have sinned, not just my forefathers. I'm part of them. I'm a descendant. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled turning aside from your commandments and rules. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O God, because your city and your people are called by your name. What! What a prayer! What would happen to America if you and I began to confess the sins of America, not in blaming a Democratic Party, as guilty as some may be, of misbehavior? Not by blaming our neighbor, but you're part of America. We have sinned against you. And you and I could sit down and make a long list, couldn't we? Of course we could. And, you know, what's interesting We have young people who think that they can change all of that by knocking down statues, by uh, shouting into the faces of politicians, and stopping traffic. And, oh, my friend, young person, listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. That kind of behavior has never succeeded to do a thing but damage and destroy permanently. Why don't you, if you're a young person and you're an idealist, God bless you, I'm thrilled you are, then form a group of like-minded young people and begin to fast and pray and confess the sins of our nation that you may perceive in the sense of we have sinned against you. And when we repent before God,
1: taking on the responsibility of that, God begins to act. Now, Dr. Ron has been talking to us about the end time days and wants us to prepare for the coming kingdom. And he has written a book titled The Assyrian Prophecy that is a missing part of the end times puzzle. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make
0: all things new. Write, for these words are true and faithful. The world is not ending, God is preparing a new world soon to begin. An ancient nation thought lost to extinction is soon to rise anew to prepare for that day. Isaiah identified this nation in a prophecy that has been hidden in plain sight for some 2700 years. Its name is Assyria. My new book, The Assyrian Prophecy, reveals how Assyria will join with Israel and Egypt to bless the world under the soon coming Messiah. Amid today's chaos, God is searching for righteous people through whom He will bring the prophecy to completion. When you reach the end of this book, one question will be in your mind, Lord, what would you have me to do? You can learn more at theassyrianproject.org. A miracle happened. A miracle happened that we're going to talk about here with Ezra. This, This is almost overwhelming. Oh, stay with me on this. In Ezra chapter 6, verse 22, this is where the sentence is that really shifts our thinking. Watch this. And they kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy, for the Lord had made them joyful and had turned the heart, look at this, and turned the heart of the king of Assyria to them, so that he aided them in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. Now, you may be saying, Ron, why what's the big deal? Okay. King of Assyria wanted to help them. No, no, no. You gotta know the history. You gotta know the history. And I'm gonna give you a quick sketch of the history, and I think I think you'll be on the edge of your seat by the time I'm done. Number one. Assyria Assyria captured the ten northern tribes of Israel took them out of the land, dispersed them all across Assyria. That's called genocide. And he brought in foreigners to live in their homes and plow their fields. Can you imagine the spit-flying hatred that must have been welling up in the hearts of, of Jews as they are now from the ten tribes that are just flung across Assyria? And the Bible even lists the towns and cities they were sent to. What a horrible thing. Well, and they were smart. They knew that if you're going to conquer a civilization, you've got to disband their history. you you got to disperse them. you you got to cause them to rewrite and join into your history. And that, that's a violation, of course. That's trespassing. And the Bible's opposed to that. However, that's what went on. They scattered them. And they uh, brought in implants. Now, think about this if you're a Bible student, you'll remember that Jesus told the story of a good Samaritan. Are you beginning to see why the Jews uh, were really getting pretty angry? You're talking about a good Samaritan? By the way, just for reference, Samaria was the capital of the Northern Ten Tribes. That's why it's called Samaria, and they're called Samaritans, even though they're Jews. (laughs) So, All of a sudden, Jesus tells the story of the good Samaritan, and and I can tell you the Jews around him were were livid, because they knew their history. They knew that they were cats out of their homes and off their properties, and all these foreigners were brought in, and now you call them Samaritans? No, we were the Samaritans. Well, that's where they were in history. And then Assyria not only captured those top ten tribes of Israel, but Assyria was defeated at Jerusalem. They cleared out the top ten tribes, but now when they came to Jerusalem, they, they were defeated. The night before their attack, an angel wiped out 185,000 of their troops. It was the greatest embarrassment you can imagine to Sennacherib, the king, to have his army wiped out. And in fact, they recorded all of their victories, but when they talked about Jerusalem, they recorded nothing. They left it blank. It was so embarrassing. So, the Assyrians captured the northern tribes, then the Assyrians were defeated at Jerusalem. You with me? Then number three, the Babylonians and the Medes conquered Assyria. Now, remember, there are a bunch of slaves, thousands of Jewish slaves under Assyria. They now are under Babylon. They're not moving any place. They're still in the former Assyrian Empire, but they're under Babylonian rule. And then, not long after that, Persia conquered Babylon. Cyrus was in his first year of office when he conquered Babylon. And now all these Jewish slaves, scattered throughout former Assyria, former Babylon, they're now under Cyrus. Cyrus amazingly did something that it's almost mind-boggling. No no empire-building ruler like the Assyrians or Napoleon or anyone else. No one ever did this before. What did he do? He wrote on a clay cylinder a philosophy that you never bind a slave. You, you return him to his homeland. Set him free. By the way, did you know that Thomas Jefferson studied that clay cylinder? in the early days of the formation of America. Did you know that that clay cylinder exists to this day and it toured America not too many years ago? Thomas Jefferson built a lot of things into this country that were learned from Cyrus nearly to over 2,000 years ago. That having been said, now we have Assyria, attacking and taking away the ten top tribes of Israel. Then you have the, the Assyrians losing their battle against Jerusalem. Then you have the Babylonians conquering the Assyrians, and then the Persians conquering the Babylonians, and then the Persians, Cyrus, saying this, God has told me to rebuild the temple of God in Jerusalem. He's not even necessarily a believer. He doesn't even know their God. But he, he says these words. God told me to do that. So now Israel is honoring God as they are returned to rebuild the temple and the walls of Jerusalem. And in that return, they are flooded with joy as they are celebrating the uh the feast of unleavened bread and cleansing themselves and separating themselves from the behaviors of this world. And what happened? The king of Assyria, Assyria, the land that started this whole mess, coming down and capturing the top ten tribes, the upper ten tribes of Israel. Now, it's not the same king, obviously. When 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 Assyria collapsed, they didn't disappear, They just remained a nation inside the empire that they built that was now under Babylonian control and then Persian control. So, are you getting the picture? Let me illustrate it. We have Indian tribes in America. They are their own nation within our nation. Assyria became a nation within the new empire of Babylon and then Persia. But they remained a nation in a tribal sense, and they have a king. That king, think about this, they have suffered the humiliation of a downfall. They have learned what it is now to be the oppressed, not the oppressor, the controlled, not the controller. And all of a sudden, (laughs) God puts it into the heart of the king of Assyria to take work crews back and help with the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. This gets bigger by the moment, friends. Why is that so important, that statement of the God of Israel? Because, like all nations, Assyria had good kings and bad kings. They had good kings who knew the God of Noah, the God of of Adam and Eve they knew the god of A- they they knew the god of the true the living creator god they knew him there were other kings who flitted off after silly little wood-chopped man created gods logs <laughs> carved into images and they had monstrous weird-looking um muscular animal human figures all for intimidation. My friend, now here is a king who finally learned humility. Humble yourself beneath the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. And this king humbled himself before God and took his people back to build the house of God the God of the Jews, the only true and living God in existence. He's the God that revealed himself to you and me as Christians. He, All that we know about, uh, of God, was learned through the Jews. That is God's pattern. So, my friend, here are these, these people, Assyrians, coming back, to the very temple they would have at one time destroyed, the very walls they wanted to tear down, and they are now coming back not as conquerors, but as servants to help rebuild the temple and the walls. What a glorious picture of redemption. And listen carefully. What a perfect example of the kind of people that will be found in the coming kingdom of God. There will be no conquering in that kingdom. There will be service, true, genuine, pure service, washing of feet, caring for others. And by the way, one more picture quickly before we close today. And that is that as I thought about this, I saw Moses when he was up against the the, uh, Amalek And his armies were at war with Amalek, and Moses is on a hilltop with the rod of God in his hand, and he's praying, and while his hands are raised and that rod in his hand, they're winning the battle, but he grew tired. His arms began to sag, and Hur and Aaron stood on each side of him and held up his arms, and they won the battle. What a picture! What a picture! Israel in the coming kingdom, where the Messiah is seated on the throne of David in Jerusalem to the north, there is Assyria to the south, there is Egypt. They are named in Isaiah's prophecy in chapter nineteen verses twenty three to twenty five They will be like Aaron and her, holding up the arms of Israel as the Messiah is worshipped by the three nations, and the three nations are going out to the world to bless the entire world. That's the world we're heading for. And that's the world that you and I need to prepare for. I want to encourage you in every way. If you're an Assyrian, this is your future. If you're not an Assyrian, this is your future. This is the structure that we're going to find in the coming kingdom of God the Messiah sitting on the throne of David in Jerusalem, and the Jews will hold that unique position that God has created them for, and Assyria will be honored, and Egypt will be honored to bring service of aid and help and support to those to, to, to Israel, and those three will be worshiping God as one, and they will be going to the nations of the world to bless the world. And that's where you will be touched if you're not an Assyrian or a Jew. You'll be part of receiving and sharing the blessing they're going to bring. What is that blessing? That's a whole new message for another time. It's a great blessing to the world. My friend, I want to encourage you, get ready. This kingdom is coming sooner than you can imagine. All the signs that Jesus gave are before us. Now is the time to get ready. And if you're saying, Ron, I'm not sure that I'm ready, I'm going to give you a quick prayer right now to pray. Pray this with me. Dear God, on the basis that Jesus died for my my sins, to take them away, I'm trusting your forgiveness for my sins. And I'm asking you for the power to live committed to you. Oh, obedient to your will, from now until I meet you in heaven. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, and always remember, Emmanuel, God is with you.
1: Now, Dr. Ron has been talking to us about the end-time days and wants us to prepare for the coming kingdom. And he has written a book titled, The Assyrian Prophecy, that is a missing part of the end times puzzle. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold,
0: I make all things new. Write, for these words are true and faithful. The world is not ending. God is preparing a new world soon to begin. An ancient nation thought lost to extinction is soon to rise anew to prepare for that day. Isaiah identified this nation in a prophecy that has been hidden in plain sight for some 2,700 years. Its name is Assyria. My new book, The Assyrian Prophecy, reveals how Assyria will join with Israel and Egypt to bless the world under the soon-coming Messiah. Amid today's chaos, God is searching for righteous people through whom He will bring the prophecy to completion. When you reach the end of this book, one question will be in your mind. Lord, what would you have me to do?
1: You can learn more at the AssyrianProject.org. This has been Faith Walk with best-selling author, pastor, and evangelist Ron Susek. If you would like to know more about Dr. Ron and our mission, visit our website at faithwalk.org. We're certain you appreciate Dr. Ron's straightforward teaching of God's Word along with his strong invitation to find salvation through Christ. But he needs your help in spreading the gospel to the far reaches of the world. Join our team by going to faithwalk.org and clicking on Partner With Us. You may never know until heaven whose lives you've impacted somewhere around the world. So please accept and enjoy your copy of The Assyrian Prophecy as our personal thank you for standing with us at Faithwalk. Well, thanks for being with us today, and we hope you'll join us again next week as we find courage for the journey in our faith walk.